in the Otsuji home, we have three kids. Um, Tasha and I have three kids. Jonathan, who's eight. Natalie, who's five. And little Andrew turned one years old today. So, one year old. So, it's exciting. And uh, Natalie, my little five-year-old girl, has a regular thing that she does of getting dressed up in a beautiful dress. She um, will put on jewelry. There's some feedback here, so if you make that go away, it'd be awesome. Um, but she puts on a beautiful dress. She puts mommy's jewelry on, necklace, bracelet, does her hair pretty. And, and then she'll come into wherever I'm at and say, Daddy, can we dance? And so we do this. We do this frequently. And there's two songs that we dance to. One is the, the Cinderella song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And the other is the Butterfly Kisses song. And so we do this. We do this. Last night, she puts this beautiful green dress on. She has her jewelry on. Her hair is all done up. She puts on some of mommy's perfume. And she comes and says, can we dance? And so we did. And if you know the lyrics to the song, they're pretty brutal. Like, I mean, as far as like trying to like hold yourself together. Because it's, it's about you know, a daddy and his daughter. And, and the sweet part about it is that there's these points in the song like where it'll say things like, she'll change her name today. And Natalie has her commentary throughout the whole song where she'll say, no, I won't. <laughs> she'll make a promise and I'll give her away. And she'll say, you're never going to give me away. And another song has, has words like, you know, because all too soon the clock will strike midnight and she'll be gone. And she says, I'll never be gone. I'm not getting married. I'm staying here. And I love that. I, I, um, it makes me so happy. I, so she adds her commentary throughout the song of, of how she's not going to be given away. She will not be changing her name, and she is never going to leave our household. And I know that the day will come, you know, where one of your little twerps is going to ask her hand <laughs> in marriage. I have Jonathan, he, he has his black belt in twi- Taekwondo. He has done jiu-jitsu and cr- wrestling for the last three years as well. And he started, he's just got about a year under his belt of Kempo Karate. Um, she is in jiu-jitsu and Kempo Karate as well. And nobody wants to marry a girl that can beat him up. I feel like I'm doing everything right right now. <laughs> I'm doing everything right to just... Make it so that it doesn't happen. And, and yeah, you, as I was dancing with her last night, I was thinking of all the promises that I'd love just to make to her. You know, of 
promises of being able to always be there to protect her or always being there to just give her wisdom or always being there to just minister to her and 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 being in, in a place where her provision would always be there and being everything that she would need. And yet I know that as much as I can make promises like that, I have no ability to keep them because I don't know what tomorrow has for me. None of us do. You know, we have a Lord here who in the final hours of his life, I mean, we're, we're coming down to probably 10 or 12 hours left in, in his life, where he, he has these disciples there, and they're, they're getting to the point where they're understanding the fact that he's leaving. They don't understand the details of all that is going to take place. But they, they're getting to the point of understanding that he's, he's leaving. And their hearts are troubled. And Jesus in this chapter begins by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he begins to give them promises. Promise after promise after promise. These incredible, precious promises throughout this chapter. And as I was going through and looking at some of the promises that he, was, that, that he gives to the disciples and that he gives to us, the radical difference is here you have a father who loves his children. A God who loves his people. A God who loves them in a way that is far better than the love any parent can have for their child. A love that is not dependent upon anything else, but that is sourced in a God that is one who loves unconditionally, a God who loves perfectly, and a God who is able to make promises. And when he makes a promise, he is able and willing to keep those promises. And so he makes these promises throughout this chapter to his people. Some of the ones that we've looked at so far in our study through the Gospel of John, he tells them, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many dwelling places. I'm going to go. I will prepare a place for you. Jonathan will frequently say, you know what we really need is when we grow up, I buy the house right here next door and someone, you know, Natalie buys the house, you know, like right there. If she can't afford it, I'll buy one for her. And we get one and we will, you know, he has it all planned. Like we just, that way, because they have a pool. We don't have a pool. We'll be able to like work together and now all of us will share the pool. And, and, and he has a plan. He may feel different about it, his wife for sure will. But you, you look and, and they're, they're going to go out. They're going to different places. But to think of our father saying, there's many dwelling places in my father's house. I've gone to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come get you. And I'll bring you back to where you will be with me. 
He tells them, I made sure that you'll know the way. And then he tells them, I'm the way. He tells them that you can see the Father as you look at me. I assure you, if you want to see the Father, just look at me. If you ask for anything that's in accordance with my will and for the glory of God, I will give it to you. You could ask for anything. And if it's according to, to my will and, 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 and according to my name, you, I will give you it. Anything that you ask. Um, I'll send you a comforter. One just the same as me, and he'll be with you forever. He'll always be there with you. I assure you, you're going to have a comforter, and he is the same as me. He'll always be with you. I will not leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I will come to you. And so we find within this chapter, promise after promise after promise, here is what I'm going to do for you. If your heart was troubled, and you understood that the sovereign God of the universe was saying, I'm going away, but I'm preparing a place for you. I'll come again. You will be with me. I've made known to you the way. I am the way. You can look at me and you can see the Father and you could ask for anything and I'll send you a comforter just the same as me. He'll be with you forever. And I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. Your heart would be relieved and elated at the idea of God saying, here are promises that I am making to you as I am about to depart. He goes on from there to give more promises in verses 19 through 24, as we'll look at this morning. He says to them, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. A little while longer, and the world's not going to see me anymore. But you will. You will see me. That promise was fulfilled. When he says a little while longer, it literally was a little while longer. And he was there hanging upon that cross. After Christ died on the cross, we don't see him appearing to the world. We see him coming to his disciples. We see him ministering to his disciples. We see him coming to people and them all seeing him at one time and following him. We see him appearing to to Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. We see him working in the lives of his people. He tells us the world, they won't see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you will live also. A promise that's given of, of you will see me again. And because I rose again from the dead because I live, you will live also. The magnitude of that within our text, that promise, is precious to us. To be able to know that when it comes our time to die, 
we will continue to live for all eternity with him. He's conquered sin and he's conquered death and he has made it so that we have everlasting life. Because he lives, we also will live. It's a promise that's given to us. We don't have to wonder, will it happen? Will he come through? Will he forget about me? Is there something that could happen that we're unaware of? Not the case. If I live, you will live also. It will happen. Not only that, but now living. To think of God taking us who were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he made us alive. He took us who were spiritually dead and he brought life into us. Regenerated us and made us come to a place where we are alive now. And we will be alive with this everlasting life for all eternity. We may die here in this life, but he's conquered the death that would take us to where it no longer has its sting and we will continue for all eternity with him. From there, he tells his disciples, at that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. When that day comes, you'll know that I am in my Father. There's this unity that is there between God the Father and God the Son. And you'll see it. And you will see yourself in me. And I in you. There is this unity that is there that is just absolutely precious to us. You look look at the promise that's given. The world's not going to see me anymore, but you're different than that. You're different than that. Those who believe, those who follow me, those who have faith in me are different than the world. You're going to see the Father. And you'll see that I am in my Father. You will see that you are in me and that I am in you. That there is the spiritual unity that is there because of the work of Christ upon the cross. That makes it so that we are one, we are together. To be able to be found in Christ. And I I think of this frequently as far as just what it is to be found in Christ, to be in him. To be in a a place where you, you think of all of my sin, all of my shortcomings, all of my failures... And to think that when God the Father looks upon me, he doesn't see me with all of my sin, but rather he sees me in Christ, clothed with Christ's righteousness. He fulfilled all righteousness. He he is perfectly pure. He is without any sin. He is holy. And when God looks upon us, we are in him. To be in a place where we have his righteousness on our account, it's precious. A unity that is there and God says, and I will be in you. Radically transformed. New creations in Christ. Former things are gone. You're found in Christ. You belong to him. You're part of his family. You've been made his bride. A unity that is there that makes it so that we have his righteousness. It's a promise that's given. 
In verse 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He who has my commandments and keeps them. From here, he shifts to saying, here is another promise to you. To the one who has my commandments and keeps them. We see it in in Matthew 7 and verse 24 where Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell and great was its fall. Responsibility here to obey the commands of the Lord where he says to his disciples, He who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me. The one who takes what God says in his word and says, I want to obey him. I want to live a life that pleases him. I want to put away the sin that I used to just struggle with so much. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to please him. I want to honor him and glorify him in every area of my life. Jesus says, is that that person who loves me? The one who desires to obey my commandments. He loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Now you might read a verse like that and think, okay, so the one that loves, the one that loves Christ and obeys his commandments, that's the one that will be loved by my Father. But our, our theology is too good for that, right? I mean, we, we, we know that to start out, it's not that he loves us because we were in a place of we obeyed his commandments and we did these things, therefore he loves us. We know other parts of scripture where he says things like in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't that God's looking at us and saying, well, if you would just pursue me or if you would love me, if you would obey my commandments, if you would do these things, then you'd earn my favor enough that at that point I would love you. He tells us while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. And that it was that that demonstrates his love for us. Not only that, but John himself said in, in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first, what? Loved us. We love him because he first loved us. But the sweetness of this passage where he's saying, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. To think that, We serve a God who, while we were still sinners, he loved us and he died for us. Not only that, but we are able to love him because he initiated it. He's the one that 
first loved us, but then we respond by loving him and obeying his commandments and desiring to please him and to have Jesus say, my father, he loves that. He loves you. You're loved on this side as he initiates all of it. This unfailing love, but at the same time, as you obey him, obey me, obey my commandments, you are loved by the Father. And you're loved by me. This passage should be one that is just powerful to us. To hear the creator of this universe and our Lord and our Savior saying, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Just the radicalness of that. A relationship with God in which the desire there is not for us to do all these different commandments out of just obligation and duty, but to love him. He doesn't want us obeying all these commandments and doing it as if we were still under the law and trying to merit his favor and we hate the law and we hate him, but we have to do this because we're just trying to do enough to make it to heaven. Rather, he said, the one that loves me, there's this desire that is within you to obey these commandments, to live for him, to please him. To have it be in our minds as we are tempted to sin and tempted to fall into sin. Or maybe you're in a place right now in which you're just, you're living in sin and you know you're living in sin. And to hear the words of the Lord coming to you this morning and saying, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. A desire to live for him. There's hypocrisy all over where there's people, they will sing the songs and they'll go to church and they'll do everything that they think that they're supposed to do. And yet you look at their personal life and there is no regard for obeying the commandments of the Lord. There's no desire to live for him. There's no desire to honor him. There's no desire to glorify him. And to say, I love him though. The fact that you have no regard to obey what God has called you to do in his word reveals that it's not genuine love that's there. Now know it that all of us sin and all of us fall short. If any of us say that we're without sin, we lie. The truth isn't in us. We all will sin. But there's a desire in us to honor him and to please him. And we hate sin and we want to repent of sin. And we want to do whatever we can to live for him and to just please him in every area of our lives. And we do it because we love him. We have been saved. We have been made righteous through the blood of Christ. Through faith in Christ, we've been made new creations in him and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and we will be kept to the very end. He began a good work in us. He'll be faithful to complete it and we understand that and we understand what it is that he has done for us for all eternity with him and we just adore him and we desire to live for him. We love him. But to see this relationship here in this text where 
Jesus says, and you're, and you're going to be loved by the Father. Know that you're loving me as you obey these commandments, but know on the other side, you are loved. You are loved by the Father. You're loved by him. And, and I, God the Son, I love you too as well. There's this love that is there that is just so precious. To know that we're loved by the Father makes a difference. My little girl, she knows that she's loved by her father. When we're dancing, she grabs my little face and says, I'll never change my name. She knows that when she says that, it makes me happy. I know she will at some point. Um, If the Lord wills. But being in in a place of, she knows that her daddy loves her. And Jesus says, you're loved by him. I love you too. And not only that, but I will manifest myself to him. You obey my commandments. You love me. You're loved by the Father. You're loved by me. And I'm going to manifest myself to you. The promise that's given to us of him manifesting himself to us. The reason why I believe this promise is is precious is because it puts us in a place of, Lord, I want to be close with you, and I just want to adore you, and I want to love your word and love what you're calling me to do and love you and joyfully live for you and be in fellowship and hate my sin and have accountability that's there and be in your word and be in a place where you're molding and you're changing me into your image and being in a place where I have fellowship with the saints and they're encouraging me and they're edifying me, they're building me up. I want all of these things. And knowing that he will manifest himself to you in that. I think that there's believers who, it's like they fill themselves up on junk food. All the stuff of the world. They're just filling themselves with the stuff of the world. They're filling themselves with TV, movies, reading of whatever secular thing that it is, just entertainment, sports, whatever it is that they can feed themselves on. And every once in a while, so yeah, I should, I should maybe pray too. Versus being in a place of obeying him, obeying his word, spending time with him in fellowship and in prayer and calling upon him and worshiping him and feeding upon him and, and sitting at the banquet table of the, just the glories of Christ and, and the treasures that come from that and just having our minds go there frequently of thinking how great our God is and how great our salvation is and how bad we were and what it is that he has done for us and thinking about all that we have for us in, in the future of what Christ has, has attained for us and to be able to be in a place of thinking of sins hurled into the depths of the sea and, and being made as white as snow and being able to go to his word and see his majesty and just feast on all these things and God just says, and I'll manifest myself to you. As we obey his word and as we love him and as we treasure him and as we spend time with him, we will find ourselves just 
seeing him in such a way that it just snowballs us. Incredible joy in living for him. Incredible joy in serving him. Incredible joy even in the midst of trials because we're in a place of he has just manifested himself to us to where he's more precious than anything that this world can offer. I'll manifest myself to them. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness and who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He commanded this, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We're able to see it in the face of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I'll just, I will do that. I will, I will command light to shine out of darkness and shine in your hearts and enable you to see me. From, from here, Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas, says to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How is that going to happen? You're going to manifest yourself to us, but not to the whole world. How, how will that happen? And Jesus answers and says to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. That was Jesus' response. How is it that you're going to manifest yourself to us? And God just says, if if you love me, if if you love me, you'll, you'll keep my word. If, if, if it's there, you will keep my word. Um, and my father will love him. And we will come to you and we will make our home with you. You'll know. We will be there with you. We will be in you. We will give you a new heart and we will give you the word and we'll give you eyes to see the word and we'll make it so that you'll read things that you had read before and they didn't mean anything to you, but now they're precious to you and the Holy Spirit will be there within you to just mold you and to change you and to keep you and to protect you and to seal you to the very end and he'll just continue to mold you and conform you into my image over the time that you're here on earth and we will be with you forever you will have us manifested to you in a radically different way because we will be with you and our home will be there with you. There is fellowship that we as believers have with God that is unlike anything that this world has to offer. I see it with people who have fallen into gross sin and it may be whatever addiction it is or whatever else that they're struggling with and They'll come to us and say, can you help this person? You ask the person if they're saved, if their faith is in Christ, and they're like, no, I'm not a Christian at all. There's help that can come to that person, but you can't clean the fish, really, till you catch it, right? And our shift 
we shift to a place of just ministering the gospel to them. You can't expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. Nor do you expect a believer to act like an unbeliever. There's this radical change that has taken place in us. When God says that he's made us new creations in him, there is a radical regeneration that has occurred where you have been made new. There's still the desires of the flesh, and there's a battle that takes place between the flesh and the spirit. That takes place, but God has made his home with us. There is a change that's occurred. It's also interesting where he uses it to be synonymous, really, with being a believer as far as the one who loves him. In Exodus chapter 20, the commandments given, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation, to the, of those who hate me, of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Do you see that same phrase being used by Almighty God here in John chapter 14 as it's used there in Exodus chapter 20? There's those that hate me. And God says, for them, I'll be visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me. A change that's occurred to where he's manifested himself to us and we see him and the response is, a love for him, a love for our God, a love for the Lord our God that brings us to a place of desiring to keep my commandments, to keep his commandments. Showing mercy to those, to the thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So Jesus says, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me. There is authority that comes from the word of God. He's placing his authority on the same level of God the Father, God the Son, God the Father, saying this is the very words of God. And they're precious to us. To be in a place as believers, to know the promises that are given to us are such that You'll see me, he tells them. Because I live, you will live. You'll know the unity that is there between the Father and the Son. I'll manifest myself to you, Jesus says. My Father and I will make our home with you. These are words that we can know are true. I pray that if you came into this place with your heart discouraged, know that that same Lord that said those things to the disciples is here for you this morning. 
If you've been broken by empty promises, promises that man has not kept to you, know that you have a heavenly father who will always keep his promises. And when he tells you things like this, I'll make my home with you. I'll manifest myself to you. Other passages, I'll work all things together for good for you. I began a good work in you. I'll be faithful to complete it. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll give you a comforter and he'll be with you forever. May these things take troubled hearts and make them come to a place of Almighty God, the covenant keeper, the promise keeper, the one who is all powerful and all good. He makes promises like that. And I am safe with him. May that just stir our hearts towards loving him. And I pray that the fruit of that would be obedience to him. And the result of that would be us shining brightly and bringing more and more glory and honor to the name of Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the precious promises that are found in John chapter 14. Um, I pray that on this morning, Lord, that you would minister to troubled hearts. I pray that on, on this morning, Lord, that you would Enable each and every one of us to see our safety in you. The gospel message proclaimed. Faith that comes from hearts that have just been radically softened by the Holy Spirit. Regeneration that occurs in us placing all of our hope for all eternity in the work of Christ upon the cross. And knowing that as your people, Lord, you just, you're so good to us and you're so faithful to us and you love us so much and you just hold us and you minister us and you manifest yourself to us. You make your home with us. What a blessed people we are to serve the God of this universe and And to have the Father, the Son, in us and us in you. What sweet unity you have made for us. I pray that that would just minister to each and every one of our hearts. And the result would be just saints here at Reverence Bible Church that are in love and love in love with our God. That the praises that come forth from our mouths would just come forth with hearts that just adore you. To the point where if we have come to a place of just not being obedient to your commandments, that our love would be just lit on fire in such a way on this morning that we'd repent of all that we could think of and obey you. Cause that to occur in our hearts this morning, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.